Hello, faithful listener. Welcome to the very first uh, Soccer Not Football episode of February. Um, we took a little bit of a break, but we're back and better. A lot has happened, um, and we're going to tackle it one by one. Um, but let's start off with um, recapping some of the biggest transfers that had occurred um, since that deadline uh, day passed in um, past the first. So for those who are unfamiliar, so a deadline day is the last day um, of pretty much like the season where um, teams can buy players um, to strengthen their title runs or um, strengthen their um, relegation uh, seasons or just making any tune-ups here and there. It's more like the trade deadline. Uh, it's kind of a trade deadline, if you will. And there have been some um, big deals in the past, um, some last-minute um, Buffalo deals, like um, I would say the one that comes to mind is Fernando Torres, uh, $50 million to Chelsea. That was big, but that was 10 years ago. Um, Virgil van Dijk. Um, who has been a big part of Liverpool uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, that was a transfer day, transfer day deal. And um, any, any deadline deals that you remember, Daniel? Um, some blockbuster ones from the past. Uh, I remember Liverpool signed Andy Carroll. That was a big deal. They signed mm-hmm. him for like 40 odd million, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but this year we didn't really have any, any blockbuster transfers, more of the under the radar uh, kind of kind of moves. Nothing, nothing groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, unless are you serious? Are you sure? I mean, I feel like Jesse Lingard to, to West Ham is a is a massive move, it's a blockbuster move. That's like if you don't know, he's a LeBron of soccer. So yeah, that definitely made the the front page of the New York Times. They were talking about that in all sports outlets across the world. Um, that's a, that's a good pickup for West Ham. I think they can always use more attacking options. They got Antonio up front, who's who's a really good striker. Um, Lingard definitely is a been under the radar the last couple of years at Manchester United. He's fallen off. He started his career with a lot of promise, but now he's just looking to try to find his way into the England Euro squad. I don't think that's going to happen. They have a lot of really good attacking options. A lot of young, really good attacking options. England does. So, yeah, but we know Garrett Southgate always pick the, the best team. So he scored two goals in his first game. Um, if he can find some, some good form, maybe he can sneak his way onto that team. Um, West Ham are in like fifth or sixth right now as the table yeah. stands. They're, they're, they're way doing, high up. So really well. Maybe they, um, can, they can fight for a Europa League spot. And if, if he's a big difference maker in that, he can uh, – maybe find his way to the Euros this summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. He definitely needed some playing time in order to remember to have the England manager remember that he exists uh, because apparently Ole did. Um, yeah. It's not looking likely he'll be able to continue his, um, his career at Man United. Um, like I said, he had a, had some promise, you know, um, but things had fallen off um, and a recurring joke was like, oh yeah, he's only 23 when he, he was like 23 for like, what, three years. So like you, he's, he was like, 
um, for any Lakers fans, you know, he's like the Kyle Kuzma of the game, you know, like, you know, he's always has this potential or the Jason Tatum of the game, you know, man, he's only 19 when he's like 23 now, like the development should have been happening. Um, but yeah, you know, um, two goals in his uh, first couple games, you know, always a boost. Um, and we'll see, you know, if uh, he might get a call up um, for the Euros um, if they happen um, the way they're scheduling and rescheduling all these games. Um, but yeah, um, then moving on um, to some um, to other noble departures. Um, Arsenal got rid of uh, some of their older players from um, the Wenger era. Um, Mustafi and of course uh, Ozil um, and also uh, Kolonesk. Uh, so Mustafi and Kolonesk are in uh, Schalke and Ozil is in Fenerbahce, his old um, club. Um, so uh, sad to see um, him and uh, Arsenal fall out the way they did. Um, never really had a chance with Arteta. Um, I don't know what happened there, um, but um, at least he gets a fresh start now. Yeah, like Arsenal had to get rid of some of their dead weight. These were guys who were getting older, weren't really playing, but were on big contracts. So they were eating up a lot of salary, but not really producing much. And, yeah, I don't know what that spat between Arteta and Ozil was. Uh, even like a year and a half ago, he was still a good player. Maybe he wasn't prime Ozil, but he could still make a difference out in the field and Earlier this year when Arsenal couldn't even get shots on goal, but they just decided to never use him. And now he gets to go to Turkey, gets to go to his, his one of his boyhood clubs, and maybe he can maybe he can make a difference in Turkey. We've seen that in the past with guys like Wesley Schneider and Drogba go there to kind of rejuvenate their careers. Maybe he can he can do that there. Yeah. And you know, Arsenal, you know, at least they they got the you know offensive power of um, let me see again of William yeah that's it <laughs> um, moving on um, some news coming from the Netherlands so um, not necessarily not something that we would necessarily would like talk about but uh, due to the situation surrounding um, it's kind of a a mess that has been going on with Ajax lately. Um, so Ajax had um, bought uh, Sebastian Holler from West Ham. Um, they made them their uh, record signing, about uh, 20 million. And for a club with Ajax who mostly like develop players and um, like try to recoup the cost from that, um, had some fantastic products with um, uh, Hakim Siege, um, Serginho Dest, obviously, um, and, and much more. Um, you know, this was a this was a statement. Um, there was just one thing. You know, um, Ajax are also in the Europa League and obviously bought um, Holler with the intent of you know playing him in the Europa League. Um, apparently, someone in management didn't get the memo because um, they forgot to register him uh, for for the Europa League uh, squad. And there's like a deadline um, for, you know, doing that sort of thing. You need to have like all your players for like the next stage. And because they didn't do that, um, he does not get to play. Yeah, someone someone in Ajax's management team is getting fired. I don't know how they let that oversight 
get get out of hand. That's I've never heard of that before. Not registering like one of your best players for for an important competition. Like did they just forget that they had him on the team? Did they print out a spreadsheet from like three days before they got him and they just straight up forgot about him? I I don't. <laughs> the whole situation is just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and it just. Everyone reigns and boards because Ajax are down bad right now. Their goal, their starting goalkeeper has been suspended for a year due to a uh, failed drug test. And one of their players, he got arrested earlier in the year uh, for stabbing one of his cousins. So something, something is obviously, um, something's going wrong right now with the, yeah, with glad, the team. Glad, glad Sergio got out of there right in time before everything <laughs> hit the fan. Yeah, I know I was saying, like, uh, one more year. I didn't think he was right, but obviously, you know, I was I was wrong. Glad he got out there when he can. But, you know, we can never expect, you know, a team to collapse, you know, the way like that. Um, but speaking of collapsing, um, Liverpool have taken some hits, and um, they bought some reinforcements to try to stop uh, the bleeding. You know, we'll discuss that a little bit further. They bought um, – Ben Davies, um, I think, was he from a championship team? Yeah, he was from the second division. Mm-hmm. And then um, they also bought another center back to cover um, what is now like a long-term, a bunch of long-term injuries to that position. Um, Van Dyke with the ACL, um, Joe Gomez, and then Joel Maptee. Um How do you think they'll, they'll do? The signings or Liverpool? Yeah. Oh, the signings. The signings, I feel like they're just kind of a stopgap for Liverpool because they they already have two, three really good center backs. They're just hurt right now. So mm-hmm. if you go out and buy another world-class center back, you're just kind of clogging up that position. You don't yeah. – I mean, no team really needs four, like, world-class center backs, especially when you only play two because, I mean, two, two of those guys are riding the bench every week. So – these guys they brought in are kind of just like we need them for the next three, six, nine months, and they're not very costly. We can we can get rid of them after that. But mm-hmm. I don't really see them playing in big games. I don't think they'll they'll play Champions League. Maybe they'll play the the middle tier, bottom tier Premier League teams when some of their guys need a rest. But I don't really see them working their way into the into the starting eleven. Yeah, and usually um, some of the players who have been covering for that position, um, Fabinho a lot, who has been who hasn't been happy about that as as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, um, you know, with these additions, they'll get players back in their regular positions. And um, yeah, um, some news coming out in Spain: um, Real Madrid. Um, you know, Barcelona has been known for some of their. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're, Horrendous. They're not, <laughs> I was gonna say not not shrewd financial decisions. Not shrewd. They're not. Um, in hindsight, maybe this wasn't a a, a buy to have. You know, with a uh, maybe with maybe they shouldn't spend too much with Coutinho or uh, the ballet or or just whoever or Griezmann, but. Um, you know, um, their their biggest rivals, you know, uh, Real Madrid, they also 
have some albatrosses on their own, you know, in the case of Luka Jovic, um, who they bought for about 70 million, a cool 70 million. And uh, they just brought back to loan. I think he only had like about two games in the season and a half he was there. And um, with that, um, with that price tag, um, it just wasn't cutting it. Yeah, sometimes a player leaves uh, his usual surroundings and doesn't really find his footing. He doesn't mesh well in a different culture and a different environment. And that seems to be the case with uh, Lukijovic because he's gone back to his previous club, Eintracht Frankfurt, and he's he hit the ground running. I think he scored three goals in his first three games. And he did absolutely nothing for Real Madrid. He was he was worse than Hazard, which is kind of hard to do. But th- yeah, this is one of the rare misses for for Real. Usually they're pretty good with their with their transfers, um, who they're bringing in. But this one they they certainly got wrong. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. You know, when you buy a Galactico, when you try to buy a Galactico, you got to make sure that they can actually be a Galactico. Um, but it's a, a real shrewd business on uh, Frankfurt. They pocketed seven, 70 million and they got their striker back early for the season, at least. Um, so, you know, good on them. Definitely going to boost, you know, where we're standing there on. They're about help their uh, Champions League's uh, hopes. Um, and then, um, some news also came out with Barcelona because obviously anything with Barcelona and money, you know, always seems to go, goes well. Um, some news about, uh, Lionel Messi's contract had came out. The man is getting paid at least a hundred big ones a year. That's a lot of money. Uh, we, we think, uh, American sports athletes make, make a lot of money, 30 million a year. Some of the baseball players be making some of the highest paid basketball players make that, but a hundred million salary, not from his endorsements, not like adding up everything. That's what Barcelona are paying him in base salary. That is absolutely ridiculous. A hundred and sixty-eight million United States dollars. The second highest is Patrick Mahomes, and he makes forty-one. That is a hundred and twenty million dollar difference, and yeah, does he deserve it? I mean, it's messy. Does he deserve it? I mean, the amount of money he probably brings into that club, he he probably is one of the players that actually earns that price tag. Yeah, I would I would say that, and especially if you factor in that, both probably in their previous contract, he wasn't making as much. So I think they kind of they kind of overpaid here to kind of make up for that, but that that's what's costing Barcelona now. They're like millions of dollars in debt. They they're in serious financial troubles. Like they might fold as a club. They probably won't because they're just such a big institution that that someone will come in and save them. But I, I read somewhere that they're like four hundred fifty million dollars in the hole or something like that. They owe like banks and and other institutions that so was is it worth it to pay him that yes but it comes with the caveat you got to have the money you know you can't be spending the money you don't have Mm -hmm. and part of that money is you know like 
you got you got win trophies, which you know has been has a little light in a, in a couple of years. Um, and I think that also con- contributed. Um, I think like part of the reason why they gave that money is like you know like oh you've done so much for our club, you know, and we want you to stay forever. But now like there's still talk about Man City going to soup on the free. So obviously that hasn't worked out. Um, you know, what Messi did with Barca, you know, will always be, you know, Barcelona is indebted to Messi. And, you know, like, um, this is like a necessary evil. And the these are the, the challenges that, um, these are decisions that you have to make. And more often than not, they, the other decisions haven't been um, haven't been helping with that big decision that they've been making. Yeah, yeah. All I want to know is where's uh, financial fair play with this? It's because, <laughs> woo. I mean, I guess they can they can pay their own players as much as they want. They just can't take the players from other teams and do that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, nice try, Man City. So, um, going so we uh, a lot of games that happened over um, the past couple weeks. Um, just uh, just starting off with uh, League One, um, PSG and Marseille, bitter rivals had some um, tension, um, some fights in a, in the last couple games. Um, nothing too too crazy, just like a red card or so um, today um, in the in uh, the last one. But it was one that PSG came out on top with a much needed win. Yeah, uh, PSG got a great goal from Mbappe. He had a really good solo effort, sprinted like the length of the field and and uh, placed home a nice goal. And it was a really big, really big win for them because they're they're in third right now. They're behind Lyon and Leo, who keep on winning, keep on putting on on the pressure to them. So they they needed a win here, uh, Pochettino, and it's probably his first big game. I would say he did win that that BS trophy that we talked about, but this was his first game that he he really needed to win because if they if they lost today, then then the doubts kind of start creeping in. The other teams are in really good form right now. They don't seem like they're slowing down. So mm-hmm. they 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 really needed that two two zero victory. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just a credit to uh, Leo and um, the 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 front three of um, John and David um, Sanchez. Um, a lot of a lot of good players on that team, and obviously, you know, we will be remiss without mentioning our very own um, Tim Weah, who has really came to who has really come into his own. Um, it's just great uh, field perception. And just creating uh, chances for his team to keep them in the title hunt and make them make them title contenders. Yeah, he's a he's a really smart player. I don't know if you saw their their second goal over mm-hmm. the weekend, but he made a he made a really nice defensive play, pressured the guy, forced the turnover, and then they just raced up the field, made four or five one touch passes, and the ball was in the back of the net. He didn't get an assist on that play. He didn't score the goal, but just him being there, his presence created a goal. And that's why Tim Way is really important to Leo. And I think he's going to be really important to the United States men's national team. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, right now PSG are three points behind. You know, and they took the loss would have been six points, and with the way um, Neon and Leo are playing at this point, you know, they need to get all the points that they can get. Um, you know, there's still a whole quarter of football left uh, in League One, so a lot can happen. Um, so we'll just have to stay tuned. And I'm um, going over to Syria. Ah. Um, we had a, another big game between Juve and Roma, and uh, Juve was able to get the dub. And um, and before we knew it, they're right back in the title race. Um, they're only about they only have they have a game in hand and only um, about seven points off. So another win, and they can um, really put some pressure. Um, between um, Milan and Inter Milan. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, they, they had that loss to Inter, and it looked like they might have been dead in the water, but you can never count Juve out. They've done it the last nine years or whatever they have, and they're not going away anytime soon. Um, Roma continue to not be able to beat the big teams in Italy. I think it's something like against the top seven, they, they don't have a win. And against the bottom 10 or 11 teams, they're undefeated. So they, they beat up on the uh, crappy teams, but against the good teams, they just they can't put a, re- a result together. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinney was in the starting lineup for this game. He did start, played about 65, 68 minutes. And it was a boring game for him. And I say that because he he wasn't as in the action as he as he has been in the past, but he was still effective. Um, he still got that defensive intensity that that doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. It doesn't really, you know, it's hard to quantify, but there was just a couple of plays out there that just made me say, wow, just at his, his desire, his engine, just to be able to keep running like that. It's, it's about heart and desire. And he definitely has that. Yeah. And now, um, they also have a chance to add to their trophy collection, the Coppa Italia. Um, they're in the Coppa Italia final with um, Atalanta, who just beat uh, Napoli today, um, actually. Um, and it's looking to be an exciting matchup. Yeah, maybe uh, McKinney can get that trophy. Maybe they can find their way back into the Scudetto race. They And they're still alive in Champions League, so mm-hmm. maybe – there's a there's plenty of opportunity for him to win another trophy this year. Yeah. And um, going over to Spain, um, La Liga, um, we have Atletico Madrid, who are still about five points uh, from uh, on top of uh, Real Madrid, but mind you, they still have two games in hand, so um, playing time to uh, so they still have opportunities to extend that lead. Uh, they did miss the opportunity with a late equalizer against uh, Celta Vigo um, a couple of days ago um, to really um, make that gap higher. Um, but they're still in pretty decent shape um, so far. Yeah, it's kind of the same old story with Atletico. They're just they're just chugging away, just grinding out those those three points. They did have a slip up this past weekend, but they still, I think are the most solid team in Spain right now. They have like the clearest identity. Um, 
they're still not giving up goals and the ways that you win titles you you maybe aren't like the the prettiest team or the the most explosive team but you get the results at the end of the day it's about how many times you can get three points and i think they're they're in the best position to continue to do that for the rest of the season so who you think um and we still have the contenders um real and barca um not too far out of it but um Needs to keep winning, keep having a nice run. So far, uh, Barca is doing well in La Liga, five wins in a row. Um, Real has rebounded from a, a couple of slip-ups here and there. Um, who do you think it's going to finish higher? If I had to guess, I would say it's going to be Real Madrid because I think Barcelona are just too inconsistent. They do have the better best player out of those two teams. They, they obviously have Messi, but... I just think Barcelona haven't found a groove yet. Yeah, they've been playing well lately, but they still kind of are are shaky. Um, some of the stuff they've been doing, I don't feel like is something that can translate game to game. And I just think Real are are deeper, and yeah, they're just they're deeper and they're more consistent. So I think they'll they'll find a way to to finish higher up in the table. Yeah, the way I look at it is, you know, as much as talent um, can really save a team, um, it also goes to management. And you know, Sudan has done a great job of managing like a whole bunch of talent. You know, because you know with um, um, with like just managing egos. Um, which can really be a detrimental thing in the game as well. Um, and just like really balancing um, balancing that and trying to get the best out of their plays. I don't think if it's a matchup between coaches, then um, then Sedan will win every time over Coleman, who doesn't feel like he gets like a couple – he doesn't even have like – we can't even go a couple days without a coach or a player criticizing him. Um so yeah, I would take uh, Real over um, Barca right now. And then um, going to the Bundesliga, not too much to report uh, except that uh, Dortmund has is in is in free fall at the moment. Um, another bad loss uh, this time um, to uh, SC Freiburg, who are about um they're eight in the division and you know another win they can pop up uh to Dortmund and right now Dortmund are out of the European uh spots and um it's looking it's not looking good for them only about four points out of their last five games yeah that's that's not good form for any team, let alone Borussia Dortmund, who are supposedly the second best team in Germany. They're they are in a little transitional period right now. They just fired their their last coach, and now they kind of got an interim permanent manager. I don't know what the situation is there, but uh, they just don't have the quality this year. Their their veteran players are just kind of. Eh, like Marco Royce and Emre Sean are just kind of just, they don't move the needle for me. Then they don't move the needle 
for their teams. They just aren't good enough to get it done. Yeah, they have Erling Holland, but he can't solve all your problems. Reyna's been uh, – he's had a dip in form as of lately. He hasn't been as good as he was to start the season. Maybe that's because the start of the season was a little bit of a mirage for him. He did have those three assists in that one game, so that kind of boosted up his numbers. I also think he's being played out of position a little bit. Um, he's he's more comfortable as like a 10, as like an attacking midfielder, but he's kind of being played out wide, which isn't really a strong suit. That's more for like Sancho, but even Sancho hasn't really been having a good season this year. Mm-hmm. So the the players that they were hoping would carry him aren't really carrying it right now. And those veteran guys to try to, you know, seal the cracks and, and clean up the messes aren't really doing that either. So they're kind of just lost right now. Yeah. And like they need to get a top four position or at least a European position, you know, they need that Champions League money to, you know, keep it going or else, you know, some of these players are going to, go bye-bye you know they held Sancho they're not going to be able to do it you know um, maybe into next summer or you know they might have to get rid of uh, Holland just to recoup some funds so they want to you know keep these players then they need to perform and you know get back into the European conversation you know they still got the they still got the Champions League but you know that's always um with their playing, it might be a long shot with the way they're performing. Yeah, their current form certainly suggests that they it's going to be an uphill battle for them. But I I still think they can turn it around. They're they're still probably the the third or fourth most talented team in Germany. So if they can find a little bit more cohesion, kind of find that spark that they had at the beginning of the year, where they where where they were scoring goals for fun, then I think they can they can squeak their way back in the top four. So speaking of a team that fired their coach and um, are in a, and uh, with a new coach um, that didn't last long, you know, as soon as we post our last episode, um, uh, Chelsea got rid of Frank Lampard and didn't think he was going to be the one to um, take him, finish out the season and brought in Thomas Tuchel. Um, who is a former uh, Dortmund coach. He was, uh, he coached um, Pulisic um, during his uh, developmental years. Um, his game, his one of his very first starts um, helped him get like first team soccer. Um, and it's a familiar with a, uh, with a couple of Chelsea players, um, you know, with a uh, Werner and Havertz. Um, they're all in the Bundesliga together. Um, he was uh, Diago, Sal- Diago Silva's coach at PSG. Um, so a lot of familiarity. Um, he also was interested in buying uh, Rudiger and Jorginho. So that's why you see him playing um, right now consistently. Um, definitely more than they had under Lampard. And so far, the system is just seems to be working. Um, you know, one draw, um, and that was only with a training session only one day training session um, and the rest have been followed up with wins um, and they're right back uh, in the top four conversation. They're only about a game, um, three points from higher in Liverpool so far. Um, and 
I'll just like to say that, you know, with um, it looks like a team is finding an identity at this point, you know, um, there's like a clear idea of what they want to do and it's being translated on the, on the field. Yeah, I didn't think we would uh, would have predicted the future that quickly when we when we had that Lampard episode. That was that was pretty on point. It was like a day or two later he got the boot. Um, I I was kind of shocked to be honest. I I thought the chatter was a little a little premature. I thought they were surely gonna stick with him for a little bit, but no, Abramovich is uh, stayed true to his form, and at the first time of trouble, he he got rid of the coach. And I think Tuchel's putting them in a in a better position to succeed. You can kind of see that with, like you were saying, Jorginho and some of the other guys that are out there. And now they've been playing uh, Marcus Alonso a lot more at left back and just, just kind of trying different things. And instead of throwing people, instead of trying to fit like a square peg in a round hole, round hole, instead of trying to do that, he's, he's trying to, you know, make the team actually work together. So he's not just throwing the big names out there. He's trying to find the the right recipe. And so far it's working. So um, I'm excited. I hope Chelsea can, can make top four. And I hope Pulisic starts, starts getting some, some more playing time. I know he, uh, he didn't start those first couple of games, came in off the bench last week. He had a family issue. Apparently, uh, it was a personal matter, so he missed the game. But uh, I hope he's he's back in the form soon because uh, he needs to be playing. He needs to be playing. Maybe not every week, but pretty much pretty much every week. Yeah, and um, going over um, to the other side of London, um, Tottenham, who were also on top of the league for a little bit, their hype has seemed to um, die down or is, is dead um, at this point. Um, just a couple of bad losses, three losses in the world to top, to Liverpool, Brighton, and of course Chelsea. Um, were was able to stop the bleeding a little bit with West Brom, but right back at it with a 5-4 uh, loss to uh, to Everton today. And um, some some tension going off in the team as well um, during the Chelsea game, um, Serge Aria, when the defenders got into altercation with uh, Jose Reno, and um, he left the stadium halfway at uh, halftime. Um, yeah, I think you were you were right, Daniel. Um, I think this team doesn't seem to have the firepower to um, to maintain a long run, and um, it's looking and the chances of top four. You know, if they don't like turn around. You know, might be fading fast. Yeah, um, yeah, they they just don't have the depth. They don't have the the quality and the quantity of good players on that team. And I think Mourinho has a trend that he is his message and his philosophy works for the first couple years, for the first part um, when he takes over a team, and then it kind of gets old kind of quickly. And it seems now that that has happened a little quicker. Um, some of the players just, yeah, they just don't like him. They just don't like the way that he's approaching them, managing them. And you can see that in the results. Um, the the dip in form is, is no coincidence. And I think this might be 
the last season that we ever see Mourinho coach in the Premier League. So enjoy it while you can because he's he's his treasure. He's had some some good sound bites, um, and he's always always entertaining to to watch. Well, I don't know if he can pull off a victory in the Cup final, um, the Football League final. Considering he makes it that far against Man City, you know, I think he might have some grace over there before the inevitable firing. But um, you know, if he can, if he can give him some silverware, you know, to show in the Europa League as well. Um, so there's other competition that they can compete for. You know, um, they he still might have a he still might be able to last a little bit longer because as you know, you know, um, winning fixes everything. No, winning, not fixes everything, winning covers everything. Absolutely. And um, another team who has been having a bad run of form is Liverpool, just three straight home losses in a row after being undefeated at home for, what's it, like nearly three years. I think I think it was longer than that. I think the last time they lost was 2017 or something like that. Yeesh, wow. It was a long is, time, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think it might be indicative of just like no people at Anfield or, you know, there's also other reasons as well. Um, you know, with the injuries had that have been crippling them, you know, some players might have lost their step. Um but um I think like you said, um, you know, the system isn't um, clicking this season the way it has um, um, in in the years past. Yeah, um, looking at that that game against Man City this last weekend, where they lost four to one, it they kind of seemed like the the second best team for most of the game. There was a part uh, after Man City scored the first goal where where Liverpool kind of regrouped and they were kind of dominating possession and creating chances and they eventually got that equalizer. But then they just had Allison just decided to make three boneheaded passes. Two of them turned into goals. And just like that, they they're out of the title race. Um, I'm not sad to see it to tell you the truth. I'm not a really fond of Liverpool. So I, I'm okay with seeing them lose, especially I've seen, uh, Jurgen Klopp talk to some, uh, pundits after the game, some uh, media members, and he's just being really rude and disrespectful for no reason. I, I understand that he was mad that his team lost and he's upset about that, but you don't have to take it out on the, the guy asking you questions. That's just, you, you got to be a bigger person than that. Speaking, speaking of, you know, rude answers to, to journalists, um, Jose, I think it was Reno. I think it was after the Chelsea game. Um, one of the, one of the female journalists was asking them, oh, why didn't you play uh, Gary Bell, who still exists, by the way? And he said, oh, good, good question, but you don't deserve an answer, you know? Um, so a lot just losing is just really turning them into just not fun people to to be around with. Otherwise known as assholes, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true, true. And um, Man United, um, I'll let Ole say it himself. Um, you know, we are not title contenders. You know, um, definitely looked that way with the 9-0 um, 
win against Southampton, but um, instantly brought back to earth with just another, you know, collapse against uh, Everton, giving up two goals, um, and then uh, giving up a last-minute e- equalizer to Everton, um, who are you know still fighting for some from European spots as well. I'm a little disappointed in Manchester United. Um, about a month or so back, I remember I, I said they were going to go on to win the title, and for, for a little bit they were proving me right. They were winning some big games, but, yeah, they've just slipped up as of late, and now they're just they're just too far behind. Um, what, what's costing them is, is their defense, and uh, De Gea not being in as good a form as he, he once was. At one point, he was probably the the best goalkeeper in the world, and now he's he's still a good goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but he's not at that that tip top prime shape that he that he used to be in. So, Manchester United need to go out and get a center back this this summer. They need someone else at the back there who can who can defend. Like Harry Maguire is okay. He gets a lot of a lot of hate. Because he's out of position sometimes, um, but it costs eighty million. Yeah, that's another reason why. Yeah, because his price tag was ridiculously high. Um, but he's he's still solid. He he's good in the air, and he's just a big bruiser in the back. But you need someone who's who's fast next to him, who can keep up with those those fast attackers. Yeah, um, pretty much set on the on the head. Um, you know. Um, and it's been a while since they've been able to. They've been this far before, so it's a, it's a little new to to this team. Um, and as soon as they got up, you know, a lot of slips up, a lot of slip ups between like Sheffield, you know, Arsenal, Everton, and those are games where you know where title um, contenders you know need to win, need to get uh, results on the road. And um, I think United is still trying to learn um, how to do that. Everyone on the team is, is involved are still trying to learn how to actually win. If they had someone on the team who had experience, then maybe, you know, they might have a have a chance. But, um, yeah, you know, um, it's looking like it's going to be the Man City show this season because they have been on an absolute fucking tear it's and you know this is something that we've seen you know over and over again since pep has arrived and you know just when we think like oh we count them out or you know we we underrate them they come back flying and um yeah it's just um they today they just broke the english all-flight record of um games one in a row with 15 and you know, um, as much as people want to dump on Man City, um, we cannot deny. Um, in the past, it's just in the past five years, they've been on a dominant run in England football. And I think what's what's most impressive about about this latest run is that they've done a lot of it without two of their probably best players, and Sergio Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, even this past weekend against Liverpool, they, they were without those two guys and they still throw out a lineup with guys like Sterling and Foden and Mares. just so much attacking talent on that team that there's still like three or four guys on the bench that would start at most clubs. So th- that team has so much talent and the fact that Pep can, 
can get those guys to to perform at such a high level all the time is is really remarkable. He's yet to do it in the Champions League. That's the one hill he's yet to climb. That's the one hill Man City to climb. So maybe this will be the year. They say it every year, but I I feel like something's kind of kind of different with Man City. Their their defense has been rock solid. Diaz and and Stones at the back have been pretty much a brick wall. Um, so I think that might be the difference for them this year. They can actually keep goals out um, instead of having to try to outscore teams. Yeah, they have like the lowest. Uh, um, they have the best goal defense um, above any other team so far, and um, they didn't. And they started the game without a true striker, you know, uh, with uh, Gabriel Jesus coming in um, later on. And um, Phil Foden, um, one of like one of one of rare players who have um, broken out of the academy, you know, has been performing. So, um, you know, just a lot of talent on that team. And, you know, they still have a they still have Pep Guardiola, you know, one of the top coaches. Um, in the world. So maybe we shouldn't be too surprised. Um, you know, they can ask, they can easily go for the quintuple, which has never been done before. You know, they're still in competition at all. They're still in the um, FA Cup final, um, the Football League final, um, Champions League and Premier League. Um, so yeah, you know, they can definitely make it happen. Maybe this year will be the year. They pulled that off. That would be absolutely ridiculous. That would be better than Bayern last year, and that's kind of hard to top. Mm-hmm. That would be – I think we would have to declare one of the greatest teams at that point. Absolutely. But, you know, a little too early. It's still February. So, you know, but maybe we might jinx them and they, they fall apart. So, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. They play um, – they play Ma, uh, Borussia um, Monblock on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, they kick off their uh, Champions League campaign again um, next week. So stay tuned. So um, last, um, the last month of January um, ended with uh, the United States getting some um, Sustained uh, revenge against Trinidad and Tobago um, with a with a seven zero a wallaby um, against uh, just uh, a couple of MLS players um, who are uh, just another way for the U.S. to just uh, get some experience for those guys. Uh, another tune up um, just just proves you know we never should have lost in twenty seventeen. But, but I digress. I digress. Yeah, Trinidad, especially this past game, were, to put it lightly, not good. Um, and to be fair, uh, they hadn't played in a year. The team itself and the domestic lead in Trinidad hasn't started back up uh, since COVID began. So a lot of the players were, you know, not in their best shape and on their best form. So it's it's understandable, but the United States needs to play a little harder opposition to to actually be able to gauge how how good or bad they are. A lot of the players for Trinidad were were second tier American players. They play in USL, so of course 
uh, mostly MLS guys are going to be able to beat USL guys. So that's not too surprising. But I, I did like some of the things we were doing out there. Um, some of the younger guys, it was like kind of a combined uh, senior national team with an under-23 team. And some of the under-23s impressed me. I really liked uh, Sam Vines at a left back. He was, uh, he was getting up the field well, creating chances. And I think he had the, the ability to do that just because we knew Trinidad wasn't going to counter us. But I think a lot of teams in CONCACAF are going to be like that. A lot of the, the lower teams are just going to sit back and try to try to make us come at them. And what I saw from Vines, I liked. He was, he was good at putting in those early crosses. He was good at overlapping um, behind the winger. He did that on the, the second goal, I think. It was it was nice. Uh, some guy passed it. I think Legette passed it to uh, who was playing left wing. Can't think of his name right now. Guy for Colorado. Oh, um, Lewis. Lewis, yeah. Yeah, Johnny then, Lewis. He back too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had a solid game. There were some moments for him where I thought he could have been better, even though he had he had good stats. Um, but yeah, Sam Vines was a positive. Another was Jesus Ferreira. He had two goals and three assists. And aside from that, it was just his, his movement was good. He was able to, to confuse the defenders and, and break the lines. Um, his, uh, his first couple assists were kind of just tap-ins. He was able to pass the ball around the goalie, and the wingers were just able to like, oh, let me just kick this ball into the net. That's wide open. But he did have uh, a third assist that was actually a nice pass, and and I, it's positive from him because he did not have a good year for Dallas. He scored one goal this year, I think, in like 18 games. And he scored more in this game than he did in that. So either the U.S. brings the best out in him or his club team just doesn't know how to use him. Either way, he's a he's a good option for, at the very worst, our under-23 teams in this uh, upcoming Olympic qualifying. And also, um, Paul Riola got a couple goals as well. Um, another promising development as he um, continues to return back from his ACL injury. And um, we have some veterans in the team as well, Aaron Long, um, who actually had some chatter about him going to Liverpool for loan. Um, Kellen Acosta, and of course, um, us, Legit and uh, Jackson uh, Ewell. Yeah, those guys we were, we kind of know what they they give us, and they were their normal selves. Um, nothing really too spectacular to talk about uh, for me, but yeah, just got the job done, proving that the teams that we should beat, we beat. We beat the last three opponents: six two, six nil, and seven nil. So that's not really what the U.S. has done in the past. They've often struggled with those worst Concacaf teams. So it's at the very least, like a good sign that we're actually molly whopping these teams now. We're actually, you know, not squeaking by with a 2 0 victory. Yeah. And uh, speaking and just going in deeper with the um, USMNT, uh, we actually had a lot of transfer movement uh, going on with um, some, some Americans abroad uh, making the leap from. Um, from the States to Europe or just uh, teams in between. Um, and uh, we'll just start off um, with a um, with a U.S. veteran, uh, Jordan Morris. Um, 
the MLS season is over, so he's able to go on loan to Swansea, who are in the championship right now. And uh, I'm really uh, making an attempt to uh, get back into the Premier League. Yeah, this is a, a good move for Morris. Um, there was a little doubt that the MLS season was going to take place on time. There was a, a labor negotiation going on that's been settled now. So the season is going to start in April. I, I still think this is a good move for Morris. He's 25 right now. So if he wants to make that move to Europe, if he wants to solidify his his starting 11 place and uh, the starting lineup for the U.S., this is a move that he he has to make. He has to prove himself at a, a higher level. Yeah, he's maybe played at an MVP level in the MLS, but that's not really playing against the, the world's best. Maybe the second tier in England isn't also playing against the world's best, but it's definitely higher competition. There's more There's more at stake. And it, if anything, it, it's a loan, so he can come back after the loan if it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, Ariola, who also made the move to uh, Swansea as well um, with a loan um, and definitely help him uh, get some first team experience uh, with his uh, ACL recovery. Yeah, um, I actually liked what I saw from Ariola in the in the friendly against Trinidad. And I like this move. He's he's not really the best attacking winger, you know. He's not gonna skill guys and and shoot from from twenty five yards out. Although he did have a nice weak foot goal against Trinidad, I have to give him that. That kind of made me do a double take. But um, he's mostly gonna play right wing back for Swansea. That's kind of what I've heard from from pundits and from maybe one of the the coaches. Um, and I think that's where he's best at because he's hardworking. He's kind of that that prototypical older American player who maybe is not that skilled, maybe not that technical, but, you know, he's going to give you 110%. He's going to run up and down the field, and he's going to fight and grit for for 90 minutes, and, and that's something that any team could use. And now we have uh, Daryl Dike, um, who is making the the hop, another hop to the um, championship from – Orlando to Barnsley, so a little bit different, you know, ditching the, the warm weather of Orlando to the rain of Barnsley. Um, with a loan, uh, with an option to buy for $20 million. So um, this could be a big deal um, come uh, the summer. Yeah, this was the, the most shocking move out of the, the three moves to the championship by MLS players. This was... Uh, shocking to say the least. Um, he he got this move because he came on as a sub against Trinidad. And the way that work permits work in England, you have to. Have, it's like a point system based on how many times you play for your national team. And by getting that appearance, he was able to to meet that requirement. So so good on Greg Berhalter for doing that. And at the very least, he'll be able to train for six months in England and and get that experience and take that back with him. I I would be absolutely shocked if Barnsley actually paid twenty million for him. I think that was mm-hmm. kind of just a a FIFA move there, where you're like, I don't want to lose this guy, so I'm just gonna say like four times his value, and if they pay me that, then I'll deal with it then. But 
yeah, I think it, it'll be a good experience for him. I don't expect him to score too many goals. I, I would expect something like maybe three goals in 10 games for him, but I, I want him more to, to develop as a player rather than produce right now. Yeah. And um, yeah, he could make his debut tomorrow against uh, Chelsea. So stay tuned. You know, I'd be surprised um, if, yeah, 20 million for a championship team mid table. That'd be, that would, that'd be a Barca move in my opinion, <laughs> but um you know, uh, stranger things have happened, and you know, worst case scenario, he developed six months in England. So um, we'll definitely stay tuned with that. Um, Tyler Boyd um, went from uh, Biscuits to Singapore on a loan. Uh, Joe Scally went to um, New York FC to Borussia Mönchengladbach, and Chris Richards. Um, who had a couple games at Bayern? He moved to uh, Hoffenheim. Um, started um, uh, actually started uh, a game so far, um, and um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about him getting some playing time. Um, did some did some nice things uh, with the limited time he had um, at Bayern, and um, you know it's hard to just like break through with the um, lineup that they have already. Um, with uh, Alaba and uh, Davis, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, he gets more more experience. Absolutely, agree with that. Um, not being able to break into the Bayern starting eleven is is not uh, an indictment on how good of a player you are. There's a lot of people in this world who would struggle making it into that team. So I really like this move because he's young and he needs to play at a, a high level. He he's been playing a lot if he hasn't been playing for the Bayern first team he's been playing for their their second team which plays in the third division in Germany which two years ago was maybe where his level was at last year he was kind of dominating there playing really well and this year he's just I've seen like four or five highlight clips of him and he's just 10 times better than any player that's down there so this move to mid Bundesliga team is is perfect for him if he plays well he could maybe find himself into the starting 11 for the USMNT. Um, there's there's about three or four guys fighting for that for that right center back spot. And I think that this is maybe one of the more under the radar moves this window. Because he wasn't really he wasn't getting any burn at Bayern. They weren't really playing him. There was a lot of games where I thought maybe like, oh, this is kind of a, a useless cup game, or they've already won, they've already threw in the Champions League. Maybe they'll play Richards, but nope. They're, they're they're stubborn in their ways. The only good thing I'll say about him at him and maybe staying at Bayern is that they didn't include a buy option with this loan, so that means they they want him back at the end of the six months. Maybe that's to sell him to a different team, but for right now they don't plan to sell him. Yeah. So yeah, he might still have a future with the team, um, and um, got some silverware on him. You know, always helpful. Um, to know what a winning team looks like and what he can bring to the table um, with uh, Hoffenheim. And uh, yeah, um, definitely a, a a player to watch. And then uh, we have Brendan Arison making the move to Philly to RP Salzburg. Um, already got a goal in and, um, and uh, for a six million dollar deal, already um, seems to justify the price tag. 
Um, we got Mark McKenzie making the move from Philadelphia to Genk for also $6 million. Um, DeAndre Yeldon um, uh, for those um, U.S. Um, fans, um, a, lot, a, a big veteran over there making the move from um, Newcastle to the Turkish League with uh, Galatasaray. Um, Justin Che, um, <laughs> when one player leaves Bayern, another player takes his place. Um, Justin Che making the move from FC Dallas to Bayern. Um, with a with a loan actually, so that's uh that's surprising. They will probably be like in the in that uh in the in, with the second team, like you said. And then uh, we have Ryan Reynolds, um, might be the biggest deal out of all of them. Uh, making the move from FC Dallas to Roma for eight million. Yeah, this was probably the most high profile move of the window, uh, not just because it was the highest uh, money highest transfer amount, but because just the saga that, that went on at the start of the month, there was like rumors that like Juventus and Roma and club Bruges were like paying 10 million for him. And, and this is a guy who started half a season at right back for FC Dallas to start the year. They had Reggie cannon there and they sold him to, to Portugal for, for a decent fee. And then he came in and played half a season, two thirds of a season and European clubs saw that and they were willing to pay $8 million for him, which I think is a sign of people taking notice of U.S. prospects and seeing them as actually good soccer players, which I, I, I'm stunned about. Like, I'm, I'm struggling to formulate in the words right now, but it's just – we're actually being taken seriously in the world market. And um, that's exciting to see because maybe Brian Reynolds isn't going to be a star. Maybe he's not going to be great, but there's going to be people after Brian Reynolds now because there was people after Reggie Cannon. We thought Reggie Cannon was going to be like the first big move, but now there's, there's already a guy less than a year later after him. So I think the moves are going to keep coming. And this is just like the, the first rock to fall before the avalanche comes. Yeah, and definitely have to credit a lot of the players who have been there and have been performing. Um, you know, Dest, uh, Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, um, the players who made those first leaps to Europe and show like, oh, these these Americans can ball and, you know, breaking breaking records in Europe. And just really showcasing like, you know, there's a talent pool here in the United States. And um, that's always a good thing to to have um, because, you know, there wasn't stuff like that happening, you know, when even when, you know, we were competing in the World Cup, you know, um, 2014, um, 2010, you know, there wasn't stuff like that. Um, the most we would get was loans, you know, with the biggest players, you know, with Dempsey and Donovan and Altador and um, seeing – from going from there to now is definitely a big improvement and uh, shows you where American soccer is going. Right. If we had a guy loaned to the championship, even 10 years ago, that would have been like our, we would have started the show with that. We'd have been like, Oh my God, we got, we got a guy in second tier English, England. Now we had three guys and it's like, yeah, that's cool. Like they can maybe do well there. And I think that just shows the the levels of, 
of confidence and the levels of competence that have grown within our, our player pool. Yeah. Yeah. Hit it right on the head. And uh, we'll be looking forward to how to see how these players do on their respective teams and uh, which ones might be my shine, which ones might burn out. And, um, you know, we'll be here for it. All the, um, we'll be here um, all the time. And with that, um, I think we can end it right here. Um, you wanna, do you wanna end this, Daniel? Absolutely, yeah, let's get out of here. I'm, I wanna go eat dinner. All right, for sure. All right, this has been Soccer Not Football. Thank you for listening. <laughs>